0: Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. You can take your seat. Welcome to Graceland Church. In this Advent series, during this Christmas season, we've been studying the priestly blessing from the book of Numbers. This blessing is something that God commanded Moses to give to his brother Aaron to declare over the people of God every day on their journey. And it, it's like it tunes your heart. So James has a guitar right here, and I love playing guitar too, and I love playing piano. We have to tune this every year. And how often do you have to tune that guitar, James? Multiple times a day. Multiple times a day. Anytime you want to use a guitar, especially an electric, some acoustics will hold a little longer. But if you want to use it for something important, you need to tune it so that it is in true tune, so that it can play with other instruments, it can harmonize, it can create this beautiful orchestra of sound. That's what music is. And there's this phrase called tuning our hearts. And our hearts need to actually be reminded of the truth of God. That's what tuning our hearts is. It's not just tuning it to itself, because you can actually take a guitar, if any of you are musicians out there, you know this, Whatever your low E string is, that thickest string there, even if it's not a true E, which is what it's supposed to be to be in true tune, you can tune it to whatever that low E is, even if it's a little flat or a little sharp, so you can play one instrument by itself and it can sound okay. But if it tried to play with another instrument that was tuned correctly, it would sound awful. And so it just always reminds me, it's a great metaphor of we want to tune our hearts not just to our own thinking. right? If I trusted all my own thinking about everything, I would just make so many wrong assumptions, so many mistakes. My mind goes over here, over there. My emotions swing up and down. No, no, no. I want my heart to be tuned to the truth. That's the true tune. You guys tracking with what I'm talking about? The true tune. And anytime you want to do something important in life, like using a guitar for something important, I would encourage you, take time to let your heart be tuned to the truth of God's heart. And and then I would also say, really, anything we do every day is important. If we're breathing, there's importance to it. So this priestly blessing from the book of Numbers is fulfilled in Christ, and it is something that shows us God's heart for us. So if there's anything in this that doesn't seem to fit with our heart, we need to tune our heart to it so that we understand the truth. And it fits in with the Advent season beautifully, because Advent is all about remembering that the people of God awaited the arrival of the Messiah, the birth of Christ, the promised one who would save his people, who would call them home. But it reminds us now also that we still await the second coming of Christ, the return of Christ, to enter us into a new age, to make all things new. And in the Advent season, you can see the candles over here on the piano. Each one reminds us of something that we long for, hope. Peace, joy, and all these things combined add up to the blessing of God. We long for the blessing of God, the fullness of his blessing. And that's what this priestly blessing is all about. Let me read it to you. It'll be on screen. Number six, 24 to 26. It says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So two weeks ago, we talked about verse 24, last Sunday, verse 25. Today, we're talking about the last part of this beautiful poetic blessing, verse 26. It says, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The title today is you have God's attention. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. There's another version of scripture, a translation that says the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And I love this quote from a scholar named David Guzik. He says, to lift up one's eyes or face means to pay attention and to look favorably towards. So what this is saying is that God wants you and me to know that his face is turned towards us. In other words, that he is giving us his attention and not just that, but it's favorable attention. It's his face, his countenance is lifted upon us. And we we can think so many things other than that uh, oftentimes, we think God could never care about little old me. How does he even be concerned about anything with my life, with all the suffering in the world? Well, you may think that, but it's not true. God wants you to know that you have his attention, that his countenance is lifted. I talked about last week how his face shines on you. It's like when you walk in a room, his face lights up. That's how he looks on you, like a good father. And you know this, but attention is a really big deal. Think about maybe a teacher when you were younger, a good teacher that showed you some attention, they turned their face toward you, they affirmed you in some way and you still remember it to this day. Maybe think about a a boy or a girl in school that you thought was cute and then one day you catch their attention a little bit, game changer. Attention is a big deal. All of a sudden, you're thinking about what you're wearing a little bit more to school. You're thinking about how that breath smells. You're thinking about eating the garlic knots or not at lunch at school, because someone showed you a little attention. And kids, as we know, will sometimes do anything to get our attention. I've got four and our house can be loud and they all love to talk. They're like my wife, they're loud, they're joyful, they're silly and it can be a fight for attention. And literally just two days ago, we were just hanging out in the living room. I think Nessa, my, my eight year old girl was performing for us and all of a sudden my five year old son, my only boy, he walks down the steps slowly and into the living room and just stood in front of us like this. There he is. That's a cry for attention right there, baby, right? Clay decided, I'm just gonna put on some Munster feet. And I don't know if you can tell, but that's a flash outfit. I'm gonna put on the Captain America shield and I'm gonna put on the Spider-Man mask and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the attention of my family. And it worked because then I had him pose and I took some more pictures. Here's another one. I was like, we gotta see the flash on this. And then he really got into it and he gave me some real poses, there you go. So Clay longs for my attention and I delight in giving it to him. Nessa, his big sister, literally just, I think, three Sundays ago, grabbed my phone after second service was over, and she doesn't know my password, but there's a way to take photos on it without knowing the password, and I found, I'm not exaggerating, I think over 50 of these on my phone. Here's Nessa. (laughs) She's just... Uh, You see the logo behind her? She she came up here somewhere when I was not looking, and she took a gazillion selfies, and every single one of them with a different face. Now, if you know my wife, you know that this is basically my wife reincarnated. I mean, this is like the personality of my wife, just silly, And, and this is Nessa saying, Dad... I want some attention, and I'm happy to give it to her. Her two older sisters, they love to write me notes and letters, and I love that. They, they're a little different than what the little kids do. They'll they will come in, sometimes late at night, and they'll hand me a proposal that they've crafted for three hours, you know what I mean? And, and they'll be like, Dad, please read about this and get back to me when you're done. And, I, and I'll read, and they're, they're saying, I need your attention. Now, here's the thing, listen to me closely on this. None of my kids, fully know this yet. They don't know this, but they will one day. And that is that among my greatest delights in life is giving them all my attention. That is my delight. That is the heart of a father or of a mother. That is a parental heart. Studies show that when they're little babies, they need this. In order to grow, not just psychologically, but physiologically, physically, in order to be healthy, they need a face in front of them showing them attention. So when you're looking at your little babies or your grandkids, uh, not sure if you're making any difference, they're paying attention to your face and their face. It's helping them develop and grow. This is because we need attention. Now, here's the amazing thing about this. You may not believe it. You may think otherwise. You may fight me to the death. But I'm telling you, God wants you to know this, that when you realize that God has turned his face towards you, everything changes. And that's number one in your notes. He is your heavenly father who gives you Attention. He delights in turning his face toward you. Here's the thing about that. I can't tell you how many meetings I've had with people that have no background in church or in Christianity or in thinking about God. And I love, I love those people, because I want to share the message of hope. I want to share good news that changes everything. I want to share about their purpose and their meaning in life and this gift of salvation and and, and life and everlasting that God gives us. And usually they'll think something or say something like, how could God even know what's going on with me? Like, who cares? There's people suffering all over the world. I mean... Does God even really concern himself at all with my life? And I get that thinking. I would think the exact same thing, except for the fact that God told us, and he tells us, and he says, you should be reminded every day that he turns his face toward you. Now that means that while he's over here, he's dealing with this suffering going on. He's dealing with this potential war and conflict. He's trying to help and guide people here. And of course, he's given us free will. So he doesn't turn us into robots, but he creates a plan of redemption. He calls us in to his redemptive plan of making all things new, but it's not forced for any of us because it it can't be forced in order for it to be real love. But while he's out there looking at all these things and doing all these things, he's also turning his face to you. That's what he's doing. And, And then also we get this wrong. He, his face is not a face of, of like just ultimate disappointment. Oh, I'm looking at you, but everything about you just, just makes me so sad. Like, have you ever had a, a kid or, or someone in your life that was under your authority in some, some kind of way divulged to you that, that maybe all they think about you is that you're disappointed about everything about them? Well, well when you hear that, you, you, even if you do have disappointments about what's going on in their life, you want them to know your heart that is beneath all of that, which is you are for them you desire the best for them. And God says that his countenance is lifted as he turns his face towards you. And in the verse before this, it says his face shines on you. So I want to encourage you, regardless of what you think or feel, tune your heart to his heart. Because when we realize that his face is turned towards us and his countenance is lifted upon us, it changes everything in our life. And look at this example in Mark 5. There was a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And it says she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. So she's broke, she's gone to the best doctors, and instead of getting better, she's still getting worse. She's in a hopeless situation. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power, that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Now, I believe he knew. He asked that for for her sake and for the crowd's sake on what he's teaching. His disciples say, you see the people crowding around you, yet you can ask who touched me? In other words, they were saying, don't ask me, Jesus. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Even amidst the crowd and Jesus doing his work and walking around his disciples, he is aware and notices the one suffering crying out to him, just trying to touch his cloak. And he turns his, he stops the whole show, right? He turns his face toward her and says, I see you, you're freed, go in peace. I remember when that same little girl doing those silly faces was I think around two, maybe a little under two, we let her venture into the Chick-fil-A play place alone. <laughs> With our first kid, that was a huge deal to us. We were like, oh man, are we really gonna let our kid go in there? And we were like, I mean, risking her life. With Nessa, it was like, go ahead, you're two, I think you're ready. And we just like sit out there and eat. It's wild in there. I don't know if if you haven't raised kids recently. I mean, there's kids that are too tall running around in there, just pounding people. There's kids playing racing games. There's food flying around. Sometimes kids throw up. I mean, it's crazy (laughs) in the play place. And we were like, let's let Nessa go in. And we told her big sisters to watch her. And in in all seriousness, she was young enough that I knew I had to watch her the whole time, but we stayed out and I just kept my eyes on her. And at one point she started getting knocked over a lot. Like she's on her butt. I could tell her she's getting scared. She's getting nervous. Her big sister's abandoned her. There's kids all around her. She doesn't know what's going on. It's loud. It's crazy in there. It's usually cold for some reason. So you're like cold and alone. And here's my little Nessa. And she's just sitting in the corner. And I could tell she was about to like break down. I was looking at her. I I I was about to get up and go in, but then she did something. And I'll just never forget this. She, for whatever reason, thought about looking for me and her mom. And so she she picked her head up. She looked around and she found where we were seated. And she noticed me noticing her, right? She, She went from feeling like she was alone, discouraged, about to just cry her life away. And then she noticed that her father was actually locked onto her, his face turned toward her and his face shining on her. I don't remember what expression I made or what I did. I, I probably just tried to smile and like, I'll get you if I need to. Uh, but she actually got all her resolve back just from locking, with eye, locking eyes with me for like five seconds. And she got up and she just started playing again. And it was over. It was un. Believable, and that's how I think it is when we realize that his face is turned towards us. Like, like metaphorically, you might be lost in the wild, wild of the Chick-fil-A play, place called life. You know what I mean? And, and, and big bullies might have knocked you over, right? And you might be like on your butt and it's hurting. And it might be your 20th time on your butt. And you're wondering, what am I doing here again? And everyone's running by you. And your, your big siblings have abandoned you. And you're just there and you're alone. And if that's you, my encouragement is, rather than just like sitting and crying, lift up your eyes to where your help comes from. That's what scripture says. Lift up your eyes. And when you just turn towards him a little bit, you're gonna find out he's locked on you. He's with you. His face shines on you. His countenance is lifted. And all of a sudden, you start remembering courage. You start remembering hope. You start remembering purpose and meaning in life. And it leads to number two in your notes, if you're taking them. God takes great care and attention about your life. All the details. Another time in Luke 12, it says, a crowd of many thousands had gathered. It's Luke 12, 1. So think Think, you know, sports arena, think pilgrimage festival, many thousands, to the point they're trampling one another. So this is an intense environment. And then in that context, Jesus said this to his disciples, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? In other words, they're not that valuable, yet not one of them is forgotten by God, he says. In the middle of that chaos, he's teaching his disciples about this. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. I find that so remarkable, especially when you think of the context. Imagine being in that sort of environment. You're so crowded that you're getting trampled over. Last Christmas, um, my wife and I and our kids flew in to New York City on Christmas Day. We're going to do that again this year. But if you remember last year, there were all these canceled Southwest flights. Do you remember that? It was actually on Christmas Day that that culminated, and we were at the airport waiting for our flight. One by one, everything's getting canceled. We finally, miraculously, I feel like, got a flight. It was one of the few that got out. We arrived to New York City late, and it's Christmas evening. And so at night, at this point, I think it was about 11.30 p.m., we're wandering around Times Square. It's six degrees. We've been traveling all day. We've been waiting, and we're looking for food. And uh, the only thing open is the McDonald's in Times Square. You guys know that McDonald's? It's the only thing we could find. and. And that was where everyone else found too. So imagine, and you know how New York City is—it's all the nations of the earth gathered in one spot at the exact same time. We were crowded. I, I'm not exaggerating. We were shoulder to shoulder in that McDonald's. No one can stay outside; it's freezing. And there are so many people trying to order food, and they have like this cattle call where there's—I mean, I'm not even exaggerating—over a hundred people waiting with tickets, all representing groups of people, as uh, they had they had a. Uh, barricade up so that people didn't charge the kitchen, and they're calling out numbers nah, 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 like like eight employees. It was nuts. We we were like, and my parents met us there to they were going to drive us into the Poconos where my parents live, and uh, it was it was just absolutely crazy. And that makes me think of like this environment, <laughs> like in that moment in that kind of environment, like yelling over each other, people falling on the ground, people hungry, people looking to get needs met. Jesus like has this little moment with his disciples, and, and he says, hey, by the way. God, your father, knows how many hairs are on your head. He cares about you that much. Isn't that crazy? Like, how beautiful is that? And he might want to, like, speak that to you today. Like, you just might feel lost in the noise, you know? The world is so noisy. It can feel crammed. And God might want to remind you that he knows every hair on your head in the midst of that. He sees every detail. He brings great care and attention to you. And he wants to be in relationship with you. That's the, whole, that's the whole message. And what's amazing is when you start receiving from the Lord like that, even in the middle of a chaotic environment, life all of a sudden feels very spacious. Your heart opens. It gets, it gets bigger. Your, your mind expands. People errantly think that following the way of Jesus constricts your life. Like, oh, now you can't have fun. Now you can't be creative. Now you can't do this or that. It's the exact opposite. When you actually meet the living God and you hear his whispers in your soul and you learn his word, your world opens. Your eyes open, your mind expands. You walk the path of life, the kind of path he called us to. It's unbelievable. And it's the enemy who wants to steal, kill and destroy. That's what it says. So he wants to steal what God is trying to give to you. He wants to confuse you. He wants to make you think his face is not shining on you, his face is not looking towards you. And it leads to just this practical life change. I like how some say, so what, at the end of a message, like what does this mean for me practically? And here's what it is, it's number three in your notes. The more aware you are of God's face towards you, his attention, the more you will walk in his peace. They go together. David Guzik says the Hebrew word here for peace is shalom which is more than the end of aggression. So so this shalom peace of God is not just that fighting would stop. This peace, this shalom is God's word for wholeness and goodness and total satisfaction in life. This is the abundant life that Jesus promised. So it's saying there's a connection between walking in wholeness and realizing his face is turned toward you. You tracking with me on that? There's a connection there. I sense that connection very deeply. And I don't mean this to sound negative, but any other source in your life that you're looking to, to provide you with wholeness is not gonna work. That includes your spouse, that includes your kids, that includes very good gifts from God, that includes blessing financially, it includes promotions at work, it includes flourishing companies, it includes serving in the house of God, all those things you should do, beautiful, wonderful. But if you're looking to them for your fulfillment in life, they are empty promises. You can enjoy them. They're very good gifts. Crying babies are very good gifts. We love crying babies. You guys know that here at Graceland Church. It should sound like kids here. It should sound like uh, actual life. But if we're looking to it to be our satisfaction, it's gonna leave you empty. The only thing that leads to the kind of peace your heart longs for is the face of the Lord. That's it. The only thing that leads to that wholeness That satisfaction. And look what Isaiah 26 says. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Another version says those whose minds are set on you because they trust you. So that's saying when your mind is set on him and the truth that his face is turned toward you, that's how you walk in peace. That's how you trust him. Notice he said to the woman that was suffering once she got healed, he said, now go in peace. And to close this message out, I wanna give you a practical story from my own life. And in fact, let me, just, let me just call the team up now. Can you guys come on up and start playing with me here a little bit? Let me read you this scripture first, and then I'm gonna connect it with this message and share with you something really profound from my own life that I hope will be an encouragement. It says this in Ephesians 2, verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, that is dead in our sin, dead in our choices, Even then, it says, he made us alive together with Christ. So that's reminding us, Jesus died, takes the punishment, the sin of the world upon himself, all of our brokenness upon him. He overcomes death in the grave. He rises from the dead. He overcomes it, and he invites us to be alive with him as a gift. It says, by grace, you have been saved. And then it says, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. I think that's one of the most incredible passages of scripture in the whole Bible. When I was 17, when I first came to really know Jesus, even though I had been around the things of God, I was a pastor's kid, I was basically born on a pew. I would, I had, you know, like my kids, are here all morning, every morning. They're here all the time for church events. And uh, they, they feel like the church facility is an extension of their home. You know what I mean? And that's how I grew up. I was around it constantly. Um, but when I was 17, and some of you have heard this, I began to wrestle. Like, hey, I, I've been around this my whole life. I feel like I've had some experiences with maybe God, but I don't really know. I, I'm not sure about this. I was, I was doing my art thing. I was about to go to art college. I was playing in my high school bands, and I, I had my, my life. And I'm like, I don't know about all this. And I just started talking to God about it, basically. And I wanna encourage you, talk to God, just talk to him. I started saying, and I didn't even know if I believed in God. <laughs> it might sound weird to hear me say that, but that's just really where I was. I didn't even know if I believed in God. I was like, what is all this crazy stuff? And, and maybe there's something, but is it this? And I just started saying, God, if this is true, I wanna know. I, I started seeking him without knowing I was seeking him. I started offering him honest prayers without knowing for sure what that even meant. I just became an honest seeker. And scripture says that when you seek him with, with all your heart, you will find him. He says he always answers an honest seeker. And so that started happening in my life. And, and I started I started having encounters with like a God who's alive. I started like meeting a person of Jesus. I started falling on my face in worship and, 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 and weeping for joy before the Lord, I started running around my parents' house, rejoicing. I mean, it was unbelievable. God just totally transformed my life. No explanation for it, except that God is real and He answers honest seekers, and He's made way for us, and He wants to be in relationship with us. And I got a picture way back then that in my older adult years, God's really reminded me of, and it was of myself, like way high above the earth with with the Lord. I mean, it wasn't even in a physical sense, but I knew I was with. Jesus and I was in the presence of God and and it was this sense of the full fulfillment of everything life is meant to be, the little glimpses of like that sheer depth of joy that we have in life, but just that all the time with the Lord and I'm looking down on like all of creation and uh, and I just started to tell the Lord I don't want to leave here, I want to stay here forever. This. This is where I want to be. And what I remember from this particular time was, was God responding to me and saying, you don't have to leave. Like this is, And then, then I learned about this verse years later when I was at Bible college. Look at what it says. He made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him where? In heavenly places. Seated with him. So in other words, that means... That if your faith is in Christ today, if you're you're following Him, if you know Him, you're not seated here in the room today. You're not gonna be seated in your car on the way out. You're not gonna be sitting at your office desk tomorrow. You're not gonna be sitting before you finally lay down in your bed tonight. You're not gonna be sitting at your kitchen table. You're not gonna be sitting at some restaurant in an hour or two. It says you are seated with Him in heavenly places now. And what I have found is that I just need to remind myself of where I am. When I'm reminded of where I am and who I'm with and what that means about me and who I am, I can walk in peace. And I can walk in peace like it's a superpower. You can be going through the hardest moments. You can be having a hundred decisions that you're not sure about. You could be struggling here or there. You could be dealing with absolute chaos like thousands of people around you trampling. Let You can walk in a peace that comes from knowing that he knows every hair on your head and he's with you and his face is towards you. And so what I wanna encourage you with practically to walk in this peace as you realize his face shines on you is take everything to him to that heavenly place. Take it to him. Scripture also calls it the secret place. You could call it like a prayer closet. It it can be a physical place. For me, it's not really a physical place at all. It's more this sense of, I need to return to where I belong. And when I bring everything there, you know what He does? He helps me with it. All of it. Every little thing. Have you ever had those mornings where you start off and you're just like, yes, I'm alive. The Lord is with me. Here we go. I'm going to worship you all day. I'm just going to love people so well. And then before you get out the door, Something ticks you off, someone lets you down, something's late, da And you're like, well, today's off. Anybody? I mean, anybody, yeah? Was that today? Anybody? Is that you right now in this moment? Raise your hand. <laughs> okay, look at me. You're in good company. That's all of us. There is no, like, we're not talking about perfect peace here like we become perfect. We're talking about perfect peace like in our imperfection, his strength is made perfect. It's totally different. So bring all that stuff to him. Here's what you should do. Whatever it was that frustrated you and messed you up that day, take some time that day. Go to him in prayer. Go to the heavenly place with him. Go there and say, Lord, can you help me with this? This keeps getting me. How do I need to think about this? What do I need to do about this? What decision do I need to make? And I'm telling you, he will help you. Like, God has spoken through his word to us and that is in stone. It, it, he's never going to contradict His word to us. That is His voice to us. But we also walk with the Spirit, and Scripture is very clear. He will guide you. In other words, we have a God who actually speaks. What I do is every day at some point, and I'm, I'm very inconsistent about when I do it. I'm not like 4 a.m. prayer every day, like I'm so holy. and I, I'm just like, I'm going to get to it at some point. I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm going to sit with my Lord in the heavenly place and He's gonna tune my heart. And I'm gonna bring to Him all the stuff. And here's the the only trick, keep going to Him. You know the ones who, who make it? The ones who just keep going back to Him. Just keep going. Even when you totally blow it, bring that to Him. He's the one who offers forgiveness. He's the one who steps us into this salvation. He's the one who made us. So it's important though, to understand the truth of this priestly blessing that's fulfilled in Christ when we go to him in the heavenly places, in the secret place, in the prayer closet. Because we have to go knowing He desires to be with us. His face is, is toward us. You're not going there being like, all right, how can I, how can I work my emotions up? How can I gain his favor? How can I sometime, how can I somehow just get enough good? No, no, no. That's every other religion in the world, but that's not Christianity. Every other religion says, you've got to attain it. You've got to get there. You've got to somehow climb the mountain. Christianity says, God has come to you. You just say yes. It's totally distinct and different. Totally different. And it is the truth. I've had all those same wrestling matches you have had. Like, do I just think this is the truth because I was born in America and it's Christian nation and this is what's been shoved down my throat my whole life? Is that, is that, why, I believe, is that why I believe this? Is that why I'm a pastor? Do I just, what if I was born in the tribe in Africa? What if I was born in on the reservation in Alaska where one of my friends pastors? What if I was, you know, what if I was this or that? And and I'm just telling you, I've walked with people in all of these religions. I've talked to them. I've read about them. I'm not the arbitrator of truth. I'm not acting like I have it together. But there's only one God, one king. There's one way. Don't let the fact that you happen to be born here make you think you've just been brainwashed about it. Give the Lord a chance to reveal himself to you. Say, Lord, if this is true, I wanna know. Because I'm telling you, it's a lot more than like checking off the box and attending Graceland Church on Sunday morning. It's great, please come, be here. But that's not it, right? It's a whole life of following Jesus. God wants you to know that he he desires to grip your heart and lead you in the greatest adventure of your life. And you're not disqualified because he has died for you and invited you into it. And it's a love that's everlasting. So Lord, help us. Uh, Help us to understand what you're saying. Help us to walk with this peace. Help us to see a clear picture of who you are. And guys, I don't know if this is you, but this Christmas, there's no better time than to turn our attention to the one who's already looking at us. When we realize he's looking at us, it changes us. It changes our perspective. It heals us. It calls us to repentance. Repentance is just saying, God, forgive me for, for where I've fallen short. I want to turn to you. It gives us peace. It gives us life. So Lord, we say yes to that. If that's you, just say yes in your heart, just tell him. It's just, it's, it's you and him, just say yes. And the other amazing thing is when you say yes, you're invited into this incredible family. You're part of the family, you're in. You couldn't be more in. No one could possibly belong more than you in the family of God. There's literally a seat with your name on it. No one else can even fill that seat. It is for you because God loves you. He feels so strongly about you. It's like me, if I was missing one of my children right now, they would never be replaced, ever. They would forever have a seat at my table because I'm their dad. And your heavenly father has a seat at his table for you with your name, no one else can fill it. And it's because he loves you. It's because he delights in you. His face is turned towards you. And I pray today that any other perception of God that you have would be erased and you would receive what he has for you, perhaps for the first time ever. Or maybe it's a return after a long time. Lord, would you do that, we pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Love you all very much. Great to have you here. See you on Christmas Eve.